Uh, well, Lee, uh, yeah, I want to thank you uh, for taking time to talk about your new film. I, um, I got a chance to see it, wrote the review, and uh, you know, enter the drag dragon. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't say the title without laughing. Um, okay, good. <laughs> uh, but before we get started, how are you doing? I'm okay. You know, I'm I'm watching a Sama Hung. I I I just walked my dog for the third time. Mm -hmm. I three walks a day, and after my third walk, I put on a movie and I I drink a cup of coffee, and I had a Sama Hung movie. And hearing you saying that title mm -hmm. reminds me, the title came from a Sama Hung movie called Enter the Fat Dragon. Oh, okay. It has recently been remade by Donnie Yen as mm -hmm. Enter the Fat Dragon. And some people they say to I me, mean, why do you just call it Enter the Dragon the Drag? I'm like, no, it's a it's it's supposed to come from the from the world of Samo Hung. So uh yeah, I, I'm doing well, mostly because Samo Hung's a big part of my life again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually had a friend who commented asking, why wasn't it just enter the drag on? And I'm like, yeah. oh, no, and now we know that's uh, that's go. great. So, so you're a big martial arts fan, then? I, I martial martial arts cinema. Cinema, yes. I, I don't do practice martial sure, arts. Sure, sure. Uh, but I, you know, it's like, it's funny. I said to my cinematographer, it's like, you know, in the movie Crunch Jaws, watch kung fu movies all day long, and they <laughs> think they know martial artists, mar martial arts, just from watching the movies. And I watch movies all day long, and I think I'm a director, a filmmaker, because I watch movies all day long. <laughs> and he had a good laugh at that. It's a, a good, it's a good parallel. Uh, yeah. yeah, I well, I I, I was I've always been a fan of martial arts films uh, since I was a kid. Matter of fact, my favorite one is uh, Return to the Thirty Six Chamber. I've yes. got like two or three copies of those. Um, right, you know, I, not as an aficionado, but it's always one of those when one was on, I'd watch it because I just enjoy them so much. And I'm more into Golden Harvest than Shaw Brothers. I like oh, Shaw. Okay. Brothers. okay, Shaw Brothers is fine, but I think Shaw Brothers comes with a having to know a sense of martial arts, where in mm. Golden Harvest is more about filmmaking. It's more cinematic to me. I feel like, especially when someone like Samuel Hung's directing or Jackie Chan's directing. Um, I'm always thinking about camera placement, the cutting, the <laughs> flow of action between shots. It's mesmerizing, I find. And with all the John Wicks in the world and all the Ip Mans, <laughs> they still haven't caught that magic again that Samuel Hung and Jackie Chan uh, did in the 80s and 90s when they were behind the camera. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see how people are kind of influenced by them, but never quite get there. Um, I mean, they're still entertaining films, but you're right. It, it it misses just slightly that magic, though. You did try to capture that, I felt, with uh, Enter the Drag Dragon very well. Only, well, uh, <laughs> only over the top this, but <laughs> over the top, that's right. You know, there is a good film that came out in the 90s, mm -hmm. I think the mid to late 90s called Drive. Yeah, starring Mark Dacascos, mm -hmm. and that film I consider probably the best martial arts film ever made in the United States of America. Wow, it's not like it's not the best film ever made, but the the sure. way they stylize the action sequences, mm -hmm. the relentlessness, and the high adventure of the film, it's right up there with anything Jackie Chan or Samuel Hung could do. They did a good job with that one, um, better than most big budget Hollywood movies, I think. <laughs> And, and I find that too, that sometimes the uh, these smaller budget films seem to do more because they take care with uh, a little more care, I think, with what they're shooting because you're working on a limited budget, obviously. That, that's a very good point. I think about that all the time. When I watch genre films from the 70s, mm -hmm. mostly American genre films, uh, and you, you, think, you, go to, you go to a video store and you see these boxes, you know, movies that don't have big name stars, like Hollywood has always run itself on the notion of the star system. You know, right. that people are going to come see our new movie because it stars Brad Pitt. Are they going to come see our new movie because it stars Burt Reynolds, maybe back in the mm -hmm. 70s and 80s? But if you didn't have an action, if you didn't have a movie star, you had to, you know, you made a genre film and you counted on an audience who would spend money to see the specific genre uh, you have set out to make so you you put an extra gore you put an extra martial arts you put in some crazy wild stunts that you know the get people um coming to see your next film uh and so i always felt the smaller budget of films um 
often tried harder. We try, <laughs> you know, we I tried harder on this film than my last three films, uh, because my last three films were three films were properly budgeted and we brought in some names mm -hmm. and uh, but I had more fun making this film with no money, just trying to put something on screen that maybe people would feel that was worth leaving the house for. <laughs> oh, oh, it, it like, abs absolutely is. Um, and and I'm a fan of Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter. Oh, so very good taste in movie. <laughs> thank you. I, <laughs> you know, that was one of those cold rentals. Uh, the shelf with my movies on it is from Hollywood Video Rental, and uh, I I saw it on the shelf, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, Vampire Hunter. I'm like, how have I not watched this already? <laughs> so, I, I watched it, and I'm like, this is a musical. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to think this new film feels like it's from the makers of that film. It does. It. It totally does. The same it, it, fingerprints. It it could be Both in the same them. world. It could <laughs> yeah. it could definitely be in the same world. As... Yeah. So I need everyone to, who saw Jesus Christ Vampire to see this film now. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and what surprised me with uh, Vampire Hunter uh, for you was uh, some of the things you were able to do. Like you literally have a musical number in like down. I think it's downtown. Is that downtown Ottawa or yeah? Uh, yeah you know, on the street. I'm like. I did not expect that scope of things. <laughs> and then yeah. this, the same thing here. Um, you know, it seems like uh, you got a lot of cooperation with Ottawa with making these films. What, was it easy to get some of these locations and, and shooting in Ottawa or was it a challenge? I like this question. You see, Ottawa, where do you live? Uh, I live in Stevens Point, Wisconsin, so it's oh, like a, wow. like in the middle of Wisconsin, a very oh, cool yeah, small city. Been. Um, I in Ottawa, I don't know what it's like there. There's not a big film industry. No, not here either. No, <laughs> they make Hallmark Christmas movies. Mm -hmm. They make Lifetime movies, but they're not making. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger's not showing up to make sure a Batman movie. I say that because they were going to make Batman and Robin here with Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mister Freeze, but they couldn't get permits to fly the helicopters in the city because it's a it's a it's a nation's mm -hmm. capital it's a capital city there's not i guess right. there's not a lot of movies shot in washington dc right uh, that same reason so there's because there's no industry here there's no big industry here um it's amazing people are so excited i'm making a movie and people get so excited by 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 the notion or the the, the um you know the chance to work mm -hmm. on something that will get seen in a movie theater i own a movie theater so i got to show it at my movie theater so <laughs> i you know what the best thing is and I'd like to recommend this to anyone who's making a no-budget movie. Cast as many bartenders as you can. <laughs> if you spend two or three years making a movie, that yeah. bartender is going to serve drinks and talk about your movie for two or three years until it comes out. And I had this one woman in the movie, Quintana Taylor, who plays mm -hmm. uh, one of the villains. She said to me, Lee, do you want an airplane? Because a guy just came into my bar. I told him all about our movie. And we got to shoot with it with his airplane for a day on a runway that was all to ourselves. So um, it's amazing what you, what you can get away with in a, in a city <laughs> with no industry. I wonder in Toronto, imagine you, I couldn't shoot on the sidewalk without having getting a permit. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> so we had no permits. And I never yeah. got asked for permission because it gives people a chance to say no. Sure. So, yeah, ask for forgiveness versus permission, right? <laughs> exactly. Wow, well put. I I need a T-shirt that says that. <laughs> so you mentioned your movie theater. Part of your film takes place there. Is that your movie theater? Yes, yes. It is. And it I'm is. so glad we shot there. I, originally, I didn't want to shoot, set it in the Mayfair Theater. My writer, our writer, Mark mm -hmm. Polisell, convinced me. I said, you know, I, I, I'm I always at the cinema, so I kind of got bored of being at the cinema all the time. I didn't think it was cinematic enough. And he said, sure. no, you forget how cool your movie theater is. Thank God we decided to shoot there because the pandemic hit mm. and that gave me a studio. That, yeah. You know, I had a studio and so I could shoot from time to time in the Mayfair during the pandemic. Um, you know, if we felt, uh, you know, with my bubble of, of sure, yeah, cast and crew, um, you know, there was months where we went by where we weren't shooting at all. Mm. It was a hard production because of the pandemic, but we got through it. We even got on the roof of the Mayfair Theater, and uh, you know, I made another film called Smash Cut mm. with David Hess and Sasha Gray mm -hmm. and Hershey Gordon Lewis, and that movie set it was shot a lot in the Mayfair Theater too. So if you've seen Smash Cut, you might recognize the cinema. In the in Smash Cut, it's called the Bytown Cinema, but it's actually the, the Mayfair Theater. It's it's an amazing theater. I I 
loved the interior shots. I like uh, older theaters or older looking, at least the big one screen or two screen theaters. Uh, we have a couple of them in w- Milwaukee, and I've occasionally ah, gone to cool. them. Uh, the Avalon and the Oriental, they're kind of restored. The Avalon was one that held a horror fest, uh, and it's just one of those big theaters, and it's just gorgeous inside. And seeing yours uh, as well, it really uh, it was great to see that that you know people still have are, are taking care of those types of theaters because so many of those are being knocked down or or trashed or just lost. I yeah, think we shouldn't, we shouldn't be open at all. There's a multiplex across the street from us. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's enough people like you and me and others out there who feel the desire to see movies in real movie theaters, not in box <laughs> cinemas. The real movie theater was built uh, the way movies should be meant to be seen. You know, Tom Cruise, our cinema was built in 1932. Mm-hmm. And Tom Cruise spent a little bit of time growing up in Ottawa. And he saw his first movie at the Mayfair. He saw 2001 yeah. A Space Odyssey. And he <laughs> said to himself, I want to make movies. And <laughs> he can take the Mayfair Theater for oh. Tom Two. <laughs> 2001 space honesty i don't know too many people where that inspired people to make movies but you know, a lot of a lot of people it puts to sleep but um <laughs> i enjoy it i enjoy it uh you know it, the, the uh, whole uh, deep meaning and existentialism which you, you don't have really deep meaning and existentialism too much in your film but I'm enter the drink there's a little but I but, just, uh, you know, for me, for me, it was all about high adventure. Sure. Um, like, you know, I like Star Wars, as you can see. I, I, I just like, you know, that where that came from, mm-hmm. you know, Buck Rogers and all those serial. I like high adventure a lot. I And I like, I love 2001 A Space Odyssey. I love all the Stanley Kubrick movies, but I'm not that kind of filmmaker. I, can, I can't sure. spit, that, spit that out. <laughs> I made a film I know how to make, or at least I think I know how to make. And, you know, I made a movie that I wanted to see. And I have I had fun making it, and I want people to have fun watching it, and that's all it is. I'm not looking to change. I'm not looking to change the world with any deep meanings. <laughs> <laughs> and and fun it is. I had so much fun with this movie. Uh, I mentioned it in my review, but my wife actually asked me at one point, "Are you okay?" Because I was laughing so hard. Oh, <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> it, just, it, it hit right. I was drinking coffee and watching it, and I'm like, "Okay, you open." And, you know, and I told a few people, I'm like, if you laugh within the first five minutes of this film, this movie is definitely for you. If if you don't yeah. quite, if you're like, uh, you're probably not quite the audience for yeah. this. Film. That's right. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't people swiping right, as they say. <laughs> Which I, I always like when uh, I see films like this kind of sends up to exploitation and, and for just going for the rat you know the, for the rooftop uh you know for the uh bleachers for what you're making was there any point when you were coming up with stuff that you're like yeah maybe we shouldn't put this joke in or maybe we shouldn't do this you know the big debate i don't even know if i can talk about it it's the finale of the the, the post credit sequence involved a character named cuntfoot oh yes <laughs> And a lot of people thought <laughs> it should be called Pussyfoot. Oh, the word, the C U N word is a little too harsh. Mm. But the people involved in the scene and also the woman who played Cunfoot felt that changing the name to Pussyfoot is is pussyfooting around <laughs> the idea of Cunfoot. It should be cunt, the kind of it's the kind of movie where it's okay. The, our audience is going to be okay with the word cunt. <laughs> well. Know? Given given the character and her, you know, the whole persona that she held, I would not see herself calling herself yeah. that. She would she would call herself Cuntfoot. She would Thank not you. call herself Pussyfoot Thank by you. any means. Thank you. Um, I I so it was a lot of you know Lloyd Kaufman. You bring up a lot of good memories. Lloyd Kaufman was on set for mm-hmm. for, for a right. weekend, and we shot with him. And he was on. He was you know, ad libbing a lot, and. um you know, he was say, saying fag and queer, <laughs> and he was playing a character that's, you know, who's, right. who's supposed to say those kinds of things. He's a jerk and he gets kicked in the balls. And we had to build up the reason why he gets kicked in the balls. So he's the kind of jerk who says those kinds of things. And all my straight, I drove people home mm-hmm. and all my straight friends said, you can't use any of that footage, Lee. You can't use any mm-hmm. of the 
scenes where he says fag and queer that's so wrong and and then all my gay friends are like you gotta use those scenes it's so funny <laughs> so i kind of <laughs> gave up on the notion of trying to make everyone happy you know like let netflix worry about making everyone happy i'm just gonna make a movie and uh, i'm gonna roll with the punches and if 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 you're offended i'm so, i'm sorry go watch another movie <laughs> Well, you, you know, if they don't watch the trail, if if they don't get the gist of the things just from the trailer, then they aren't paying attention because right. you, you deliver right. you deliver everything and more that you had in the trailer. I I mean, there's everything in here. You have android zombies. You've got, you've got call mummies. It, I call it a kitchen sink genre uh a kitchen sink epic i did i think i called jesus christ vampire that too i just threw everything in the in the blender <laughs> oh yeah i remember with jesus christ vampire hunter the little throwback to batman uh, 66 with the jesus <laughs> yes we almost did that with a dick in this movie i filmed <laughs> spinning dicks did you really <laughs> yeah, and 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 my and my cinematographer again was you should use the word jesus <laughs> But I decided against it. Sure. I had a well, two and a half hour movie at one point. And I had to shrink it down. Oh wow! Uh, yeah. Well, it, it, the the runtime runs fast, so it it <laughs> I think you could have probably gotten away with it. Though you do <laughs> still have you still have dildo wipes. So there you go. You, you, Thank you. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> I spent a lot of money on dildos. I spent a lot of money on dildos, and those are digital dildos. We filmed them. Yeah, I think on like like a like a record player. They spun. Uh -huh. And the can on, on a green screen, and the, sure. the cinematographer just panned through the spinning dicks. So they're real dicks. And I went out, I kept going out and buying dicks. It's like, I want a black one, and I want one with foreskin on it. <laughs> it was fun. And now, I, and now, all you know, a year later, I've got a big bag of dicks in my basement, <laughs> and I'm afraid my kids are going to find it and think I'm a weirdo. <laughs> uh, Dad, uh, something you need to never mind, never mind. <laughs> slightly used we, we, yeah. sell them on amazon <laughs> there you go those. <laughs> there you go use them to fund your next movie you could probably yes. <laughs> you know on screen prop don't you, say that it wasn't actually used just say on screen prop people not can bad. Not you know bad. you know draw their own conclusions <laughs> i still have the stakes from jesus christ vampire mm. i could probably sell a few of those <laughs> i will tell you right now that i cite that as an example when people ask why i love indie cinema i'm like innovation I'm like, there's a scene where Jesus Christ gets staked, and when he pulls it out, the vampires think they're safe because it's night, and the light of God comes through his chest and takes out the vampires. I'm like, and how they did the effect was they hung a mirror around his yeah. neck and shined a flashlight. I'm like, <laughs> I didn't think it was going to work. My one of my the guy did the lighting said I yeah. had an, he had the idea. Sure. I didn't think it was gonna work, and we got that we shot that in a garage, <laughs> and he, he shined the light. I'm like, whoa, look how good that looks with the 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 fog in the air, mm -hmm. and it was like one of the last things we shot on that movie. I'm really happy how that turned out. <laughs> and and your special effects in this film too. Uh, I loved it. The forced perspective you get, you get a a vehicle. Oh driving all over the yeah. hey all the yeah the the um the door for the I, I watched there's a shot there's a shot in danger diabolic mm -hmm. where a woman's driving a car and a rock opens up and the car goes down a hill uh -huh. but they put the miniature rock here so the car looked like it was going to, I'm like, I want to rip that off. I want to try that in our film with something and have a weird car come out of a hole. And so it worked. It it works. It works within the spirit of the film and what I what I felt you were going for with it. And I loved it. In fact, the cinematography in your film, uh, I hope you don't take it, looked far better than I expected uh, for an <laughs> indie film. And I, I, you know, I hope I want you to take that the wrong way. It was like oh. some of the shots and things that you did in this film. I was like, wow, like you get the park scene where where one of forms of crunch has to take on uh, a group of individuals and you got this top down scene that's almost like this old musical pattern like synchronized i, I watch a lot of musicals <laughs> <laughs> yeah what's that one folly there's a musical uh 
Titicote Follies? I, oh, anyway, yeah. there's a lot of peel, mm -hmm. shots from above, bird's eye view shots. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the way a human body moves in a shot like that, is, it's nice. <laughs> it, it, so, you know, I, I just loved the camera work you had in here was 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 surprising in some of the creative that you don't normally see in, in films like this. I appreciate um, you saying that. You know, I, I someone said to me, why didn't you shoot it in a 16 millimeter like you did mm -hmm. Jesus Christ Vampire? And the thing about Jesus Christ Vampire, we shot it on 16 millimeter and mm -hmm. the prints look great. I spent $12,000 doing a sound mix. I spent $14,000 doing a neg cut of Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter. And when the movie was done, I only had $200 left over to do the VHS transfer. Oh. So the whole world saw this shitty VHS transfer of the movie. <laughs> And 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 a lot, a lot of critiques were like, I can't believe it was shot on VHS. It's like, no, we shot on 16. <laughs> so I always imagine what would the success of Jesus Christ been if mm -hmm. we shot an HD digital video? So I thought I want to shoot something in the spirit of Jesus Christ Vampinder, but shoot it like you'd see something on a 4K TV and just see, you know, as an experiment, how people take to it. I always thought maybe people like Jesus Christ Vampinder because it's shot on 16, mm -hmm. looks grimy. But here, I don't know, Randy and Peter Meyer and everyone who got behind the camera did a good job with their 4K cameras. Oh, yeah, I, uh, it, it's wonderful. And, and I actually think the color and the quality work for your story. It worked for Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter. It's a vampire story. So the gr grittiness in that worked a little more here. It's it's this hybrid of all these genres. But the colors that you have for the costuming and everything pops so much with the HD that it, it works for the spirit, for me anyway, for the visual style that you set up in this world these characters exist in. Yeah, it's like, it's all glamorous. Yes. And it's almost like, it's not just the drags and drag, you know, um, that every every character like Jaws is mm -hmm. wearing all red all the time. And it's almost like the whole movie is in drag. <laughs> <laughs> just about you, you had yeah there was uh you know and the title should have tipped me off but you had far more uh drag uh folks in here than i thought you would gonna have even your village i was like that's right oh and, and you were able to work jaws's gimmick in there as well especially that that climactic fight with with fist oh uh, <laughs> the five fists the five. you know i didn't know what a drag king was until we started making the movie oh really <laughs> yeah I, I just knew what drag queens were but i had i figured out oh I, you know because i got so friendly with this mm -hmm. large community in ottawa i discovered drag kings i'm like oh my god i could stop production we gotta have a drag king in the movie somewhere um yeah and and how has the community uh received the film because i'm sure some people have questions like oh are you making fun of drag folk you know you're and when you watch it you're like uh no really you're having you're having fun but they're the main character for Crown. i think only straight people would think we're making fun of sure. <laughs> all my all my gay friends love the film and think uh -huh. it's, it's wild and and i'm so happy to, be, to have so many people who, you know straight and gay in the film uh, you know, when I introduced the movie at cinemas, I tell mm -hmm. people to cheer. When I did Jesus Christ Vampire, I said, cheer for the heroes and boo the villains. Mm -hmm. But I kind of like the villains in this movie. So I said, tell people to cheer for the heroes, cheer for your favorite villains, and boo the straights. <laughs> <laughs> boo all the breeders. Because they, we deserve to be booed for at least 200 years. <laughs> Ab <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, Fist, Fist was hilarious. And then a mummy with this you make this all work uh how how do you juggle all these genres i mean how much of a challenge was that because within the context of the world it made sense and jumping from these different types of we've got zombies we've got everything but you know how hard was that to juggle i i don't know i i, I spent a lot of time walking i got a dog while making this movie oh okay sure during the pandemic i i go on three hour walks a day mm-hmm and I would just think about the movie and I think about, I'd love to have this in the movie and I'd love to have that in the movie and I'd love to shoot this differently. And maybe we can throw that in. And, and I had all those thoughts and I would think about them all the time. And now when I watch the movie and I see them in the film, I'm like, wow, I can't believe it's there. I have to attribute to Russ Meyer. Mm -hmm. I love Russ Meyer movies. And I love, you know, when people think of Russ Meyer's, they think of boobies. And yeah. I like to think about boobies too, but that's not my favorite thing about a Russ Meyer movie. Sure. I love how he photographs a movie 
He shoots his own movies. He cuts his own movies. But it's the pacing. Mm-hmm. His movies are paced like a machine gun shoots bullets. It's a and I wanted this film to have that kind of rhythm. And I wanted to stack layers of genre. I don't know. You know what was fun about Jesus Christ Vampire? I promoted it as a kung fu action comedy horror musical about the second coming. <laughs> and with this film, I wanted to promote it as a kung fu action comedy horror musical in drag. <laughs> <laughs> And so, you know, it just, again, it. I wanted to make a movie. My last three films, my last five films, I guess, didn't feel like it was from the makers of Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter. Two movies in Mexico. I made three horror movies in Ottawa. I love the movies I made in Mexico. I'm really happy with Smash Cut that I made here in Ottawa. But I wanted to do another Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter sort of style. And so going back to that, I really, you know, and watching Jesus again, it's like, I got to hit all these beats. I got to hit, hit the gore. It's got to have lots of gore. And the comedy is funny because it's delivered straight. Everyone's really serious with all mm-hmm. this ridiculousness happening around them. It's got to have some musical numbers. It's got to have zombies and mummies. And and I androids is new. No, we had androids and hairy knuckles. So I don't know. I just kind of wanted to cram it as much <laughs> as I could. You know, people on set were thinking this movie is going to be nuts. They, they thought it was too much. Sure. Uh, one of my actors said, yeah, you're going too far. Like when the actor gets staked on the erect penis. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he thought that was too much. But, you know, there's something all very wholesome about the movie. It, it's got it's got lots of dicks, <laughs> lots of, the, you know, retard jokes and cunt jokes and dick jokes. But it's also wholesome. It comes from, I don't know, I like to think it comes from the, the, the right place of the heart. <laughs> and I think anyone who maybe thinks they'll be offended by the movie might just find themselves smiling. It, it's not mean-spirited. There is right. an easy way yeah. you could have taken this material and be mean-spirited. But, you know, I think some people forget, too, that when you're making a film like this, those everybody on screen's real people and some of them felt like they were from the community so i'm like i don't think he'd get people from the community portraying these characters if they weren't comfortable right with the material that was being you know presented to them yeah exactly i i I, you know i I'm a, I was often worried that, you know, I'm a straight man mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I never wanted people to think a straight man directed this movie, <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, you're right. It's like, I don't know. I don't know what you have. I'm Canadian and in Canada we have what's called Newfies. Do you know Newfoundland? Uh, I know Newfoundland. Yeah, I know. So, uh, yep. There's a lot of jokes about Newfies, mm-hmm. but all those jokes come from Newfoundlanders. Newfies make up Newfie jokes <laughs> and it's like, you know, for a long time, you couldn't make fun of the gay community. Mm-hmm. It seemed uh, close-minded. But now I'm, I, I, I have a lot of gay friends and all the best gay jokes come from my gay friends. You know, it's okay to, to laugh, you know, if you're comfortable enough. I don't know. I, you, you said it best. That it's not mean-spirited. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it always, even, even when it's supposed to get a little bit dark as far as with your villains and that, it still has this light spirit throughout, which again made me smile and and chuckle quite a bit because, uh, you know, like it, it and it, I think that's what works is that it is played straight. Everything happening in this world, nobody's really questioning it, including you know, cockchucks and. <laughs> <laughs> i like hearing oh. other people say that word <laughs> yeah, I, I will i will never look at a pair of nunchucks the same way again so weird. You know, it's funny i was trying to figure out how am i going to build cockchucks i thought i was going to have to build buy two dildos sure. and put a chain between dildo, two dildos but what they have at these adult stores i don't know if you've ever been into an adult <laughs> yeah store they have what's called an extender so if you have a baby dick, yeah, yeah, you can put like Tommy Gunn's penis on top of your dick. <laughs> so I was able to put them on my nunchucks, and it was so <laughs> like, wow, this this is great. And so I had I had like a few cockchucks around <laughs> to practice with, and I got pretty good at them. And you know, it's funny, everyone wanted to play with them when yeah. they and we were on set. I could never find them because someone was always playing with them. And I thought, you know what? If the movie doesn't do well, I can least I can sell cockchucks. I can there you go, go. sell these things and market. Them. There, there you go. There you go. Uh, copyright <laughs> Lee. Uh, he came up with those. Uh, 
there you go. I think you got a, a, a I think you got a, a financial gold mine there, an untapped, <laughs> uh, untapped genre uh, item right there. Very happy. <laughs> they finally make some money from our stupid movies. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, and you can just see all kinds of influences. Like your killers have their superhero type approach to it. Um, and, and where did Fist come from? Is it from superhero villains that you came those from? Or where, where did you get those guys from? I remember sitting at the... I'm, okay, so the movie took two, three years to, to shoot. Sure. And <laughs> and I remember sitting at the bar. And, and there weren't that many villains in the movie. There was like mm-hmm. the main bad guy and two henchmen. Oh, okay. I, and I thought to myself, you know, when I do the finale of the movie, I think I'm going to split up our heroes. And I, if I do that, I need more villains. Mm. So wouldn't it be fun to come up with the three more villains? And I sat at the bar and I had all these crazy ideas and we came up with three and we were very happy. We have a drag king and, you know, and a a woman with poisonous boobies (laughs) (laughs) and a guy with a laser hoop, like a lightsaber. And, 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 um, but you know, two weeks later I was sitting at the same bar and and then my friend Ellie came up to me. It's like, oh, you should have a guy named Dick Toes. He's got ten dicks for toes. And I was so mad. I was like, Ellie, that's a brilliant idea. But where were you two weeks ago? Yeah, I've came up with these villains and I've cast them already. I can't. What am I supposed to do? Fire someone because of Dick Toes? And so weeks would go by, and I couldn't get Dick Toes out of my mind. So I found a way to slip in ten dicks for toes into the movie. And Dick Toes might be my next yeah. film now. Uh, so it's, it's I've got a list of for the next film a whole list of villains for the next. It's fun just sitting there and you know I guess it all comes from James Bond, right? Sure. Uh, you know, um, Odd Job and, mm-hmm. and all those guys. You just come up with a parody villain, and 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 because we were making a drag queen movie, I could just you know it could be absolutely raunchy. <laughs> <laughs> There, there is Raj in here. I, I warn people as well that, uh, yeah, if you're a little bit more uh, reserved or, or pure at heart of sorts, you may may find <laughs> you may be blushing a bit too much in the film. Um, <laughs> so filming over three years, I, I have to ask, was that part of the reason why we see the various forms of crunch or was that always planned? No, that that was something we the movie felt alive because it kept changing because mm-hmm. of the pandemic. We started the, the trip before the pandemic, we started making the movie, and I found out the day we had her table read that my mother was passing, that she oh. she, she was ill and sure. she was she didn't have a lot of time left. And I, you know, and so she my mother played the screaming lesbian in Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I dedicate sure. the movie to the screaming sure. lesbian. She's on the billboard in the movie uh, when the truck goes off the cliff. Yeah, yeah. She told all the doctors, I'm going to be in my son's new movie. And I was like, Mom, you're not leaving the hospital, but I'll figure, oh. out, I'll figure out how to have you in the movie. So to sit, when my, so we spent a year trying to shoot while my mother was passing and right. I had some time off and be in the hospital. And then my mom would let me go out and shoot. And as soon as you know, my mother passed and as soon as we were ready to get back into production, the pandemic hit. So, man, we can't. <laughs> some higher powers didn't want me to make this movie, but because we tried to figure things out, and you know, you know, people don't believe in compromise that you should sure. avoid compromise, but by any means necessary. But for me, it wasn't compromise; it was being inventive, and 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 um, every negative turned into a positive. Every mm-hmm. time we we stopped and we had to figure something out, it the film got better. <laughs> Sam, who played Crunch, the first actor, Sam, he was my star for the whole movie. And he thought maybe we could shoot the whole film in one, one or two summers. But because it took so long, um, um, Sam got a job and he couldn't. Oh, that out. And I said to Sam, thank you for being a part of the movies to this point. I need to keep shooting because my mother just passed. Right. And I'm coping with that by making this movie. And he understood that. It's like, would you mind if I brought in another actor to finish the movie? He was thought that was a wonderful idea. And I thought to myself, wait a minute, if I bring in one other movie, it looks like a pro it looks like a problem we're trying to sure. fix. If I bring in two more drag queens, it looks like it, there's a little bit of method to the madness. So I could have a drag queen for each act in the movie. And then it becomes sort of like a a, a drag show. Then it becomes yeah. a, 
a competition like who you know like you might go to a, a, a gay bar and see drags come out and and so i i like the idea of having more drags and then it got fun to think of a way to kill them off and bring them back it makes me think of two movies did something similar to this i i don't know if you know the walking tall trilogy yeah you know but between part one part one ends mm-hmm. the actor uh getting into a car accident or getting shot and his face is wrapped in bandage and part two and starts where they take the bandages off and it's a different actor. I think Bo yeah. Hopkins re- yeah. you know, reprises the role from who played the character in Walking Tall 1. I can't remember right now. And then Emmanuel 4 does the same thing. Emmanuel 4, 1, 2, and 3 started Sylvia Cristal. And by the time they did Emmanuel 4, she didn't want to do Emmanuel movies anymore. But they asked her to come in for this opening sequence where she goes to a, get her facelift. <laughs> And they put some bandages around her head, and, she, and then she opened. It's a different actress, and I always thought that was wild that they thought that was feasible. Yeah. And so I thought maybe we could do that in the instead of you know do it three twice, three times in the movie. And I thought it was the kind of movie that would that would it would get people would let you know we can get away with it. <laughs> oh, it, it it's a gimmick that works. I think it works well at each each drag. Queen is a little bit different from the previous version as well. So it's like, you know, uh, a James Bond almost, only all in one film. That's <laughs> yeah, true. It's true. Like there's one's Caucasian, one's Japanese, one's, you know, it's 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 funny. They, they don't even share the same nationality, the same body types at all. And it seems to be everyone's favorite part of the movie that the drag queens change with every act. Um, I remember showing the first person who saw that was my Film compo- one of my film composers, um, Dave Bignall, mm. did the he did the song "Bitch Bitch Boots," and I remember showing him the movie. And 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 you know when you when you're editing a movie, you kind of forget some of the magic, sure. you forget some of the tricks. So mm-hmm. you know I've found so many times when the, the second dra- the first drag queen uh, goes away and the second drag queen comes into the picture, he saw that I wasn't even expecting anything reaction to it, but he thought he was like, "My Godly, that's brilliant! That's so cool!" And I'm like, "Oh." Oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah, okay, good. I'm glad that works for you. Okay, good. Let's have, I think you might like this movie then. <laughs> and I think what helps work is the fact that everybody in the world rolls with it. You know, I because you, they don't really call full attention to it exactly. It's like just briefly, like oh, okay, and you move on. I think that's what helps work better versus everybody going, "Wait, who are you? Wait, who are you?" Yes. you know, everybody, yes. You, you know, like they some some movies I've seen that try to do something similar. It's always like, oh, they changed face. Well, keep asking who you are. Everybody's like, oh yeah, no, that's Crunch. Uh, yeah, you know what? You're, you're right. You know, I did pad. I did have safety net. I call them safety net. I went out and shot all this stuff that was mm-hmm. there to explain. You know uh, what happened? Um, mm-hmm. I shot S- Sam talking into the camera and talking about what had just happened and i had all the safety net and when i took it all out it worked better <laughs> i took away all that explanation it just worked better. just go with the punches go with the flow and yeah no Speak. one says oh who are you <laughs> I, I i love that part i love that everybody just rolls with it because yeah. uh i think it it helps put the audience too like they feel almost like they're in the know versus everyone else in the, yeah. In the yeah, film. yeah 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 uh, speaking of safety nets did you run into getting any net uh like netted and pulled away with the scene the invisible the invisible cloak scene well, um, we shot that in the during the pandemic so oh. when he runs out of the cinema with his cock flailing around there was no one around there was no one around <laughs> so in the background you can see one guy sitting in a park bench and he yeah. was sitting there because he had a crush on one of the girls in front of the camera not the drag queen oh. but the girl who sees crunch right and he was kind of like a little inebriated and hanging out and <laughs> You can see him in the background, but there was not like when he ran across the street, he didn't have to look both ways because there was no one. I did a shot from my car mm-hmm. and I drove up. I drew, you know, when the car hits him. Yeah. It was me in the car driving backwards really, really fast. Oh, okay. And we played it backwards. So it looks like it hits him. Sure. And we didn't close down the street because there was no one around. I don't know where you are in Wisconsin, but during the height of the pandemic, there was no one out. Oh, yeah. No 
driving. Noah's on the sidewalk. It was a perfect, uh, perfect time of the, the of the of my life to shoot a nude scene outside. Full <laughs> frontal male nudity, no problem. <laughs> no, for, no, absolutely no problem whatsoever. Yeah. No one's around. Who are you going to no offend? Problem. There's no the one there. Are closed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it worked because when you did that scene, I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, like, was that one of those? Cops are gone. Go now. <laughs> we, yeah, you know, cops showed up only once when we were filming when we blew up the outhouse. Oh yeah, the outhouse is on the back of the pickup truck. Sure, and we shot that with no police involvement, no no participation from anyone who sure. knew how to blow anything up. We we I bought tenorite, ten tenorite over mm-hmm. the counter, yeah. and you you know you're supposed to use tenorite on like target practice right. where we shot a whole box of it inside of an outhouse and blew the hell out of it. <laughs> and, and uh, we did it as, as safe as we could, sure. but I did have one of my friends, Sue at the entrance to the driveway, mm-hmm. just make sure no cars come down here while we're doing this because, uh, uh, you know, we're going to blow sh- some shit yeah. up and no one's, gonna, we don't want anyone complaining to the police. And I didn't tell her if the police do show up, don't tell them we're making a movie. Oh but, yeah. So the police showed up. We were just about to blow up the damn thing. And the cop asked, what the hell are you doing? And she said, Oh, we're making a movie. Mm-hmm. I'm just blocking the road off. And the cop said, well, thank you very much for doing that. That's very, you know, that's yeah. very very few guys. Good, good behavior. Thank you. And he drove off. And I'm like, he didn't ask me for a permit or anything. <laughs> <laughs> I love Ottawa. I love shooting in this city because they just thought we had, you know, all the permits in the world to do this. <laughs> You're like, oh, okay, sure, yeah. <laughs> you probably drone, drone it, flying over the outhouse and yes. we had all these cameras and boom. It, it was so much fun. It was a great, great shot too. I was like, wait, are they really going to blow up? And you did. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know? if, if anything, that's one thing that really caught me too was, uh, cause I, I, I've been watching a lot of indie cinema and covering it for many years now. Um, and it just, every time I was surprised exactly what you were able to do either to get away with or that you managed to, to pull off and it worked. Uh, you know, and, and I was very impressed by that because, uh, a lot of times it won't work or they'll call, you know, it feels like you're calling to it specifically, but you don't really do that even with blowing up and out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was fun. It was, I want, I wanted to, uh, put stuff in an independent movie. You maybe never seen anymore. And that's why we did the, the skydiving sequence. I yes. Do a I big was... skydiving sequence and and brag to people. Say, I'm making a no budget movie with a. We have a skydiving sequence in the movie, and you know, with no budget, people said, "How did you afford that?" And I didn't spend. I don't mm-hmm. mind spending money in front of the camera. Sure, sure. You know, it's easy mm-hmm. to save money behind the camera if you can. But if it's in front of, if I'm spending money and you can see it, then it's worth it. Mm-hmm. So um, I did. We I had to hire uh, aerial photographers. Mm-hmm. And with the plane and we had to do all that stuff. And the way I afforded it all, my mother was sick in the hospital, as I told you. Yeah. And I, my mother kept all my star Wars toys. She, she oh, left my, yeah. my basement looks the way it is because my mother allowed me to be a kid until I was 50. <laughs> and so I always had my, I had a Jawa mm-hmm. in the packaging unopened. Oh, nice. And I, all my collection, I don't, I don't own it to sell. I own it to make myself happy. Right. And I never want to sell anything. And there was a guy in this city who really wanted my Jawa. And he kept making me offers. Mm-hmm. And I said, nope, nope. Mm-hmm. And then he said, can I see it? And I said, well, look, I'm at the hospital all day with my mother tomorrow. You can come by, I guess. Sure. So I brought the Jawa to the hospital and he offered and he saw it in front of my mom and gave me three and a half thousand dollars for it. Oh, <laughs> wow. And I asked my mother if it was okay. And we, I gave him the Jawa and I afforded, I, with that little Jawa, I afforded the skydiving sequence. Hey, so, so, <laughs> so Star Star Wars, Lucasfilm helped fund, there you go, enter the drain. Jawa Yeah, Bob for $2 when it came out. <laughs> no, I, I don't have them here. I have a box yet of my Star Wars figures. In fact, that's how I started out YouTube. I did a, uh, it was a video with a, with a little DV camera. And it was a vlog of a stormtrooper, TK-422, uh, uh, who he was the other guy. 
uh, besides TK421. And it's all a vlog about him uh, trying to get promoted and failing every every time. It, it just, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I use, I use the original uh, 1977 Stormtrooper. I put him in front of a green screen. Cool. And uh, I've still got that. I remember that because uh, you mentioned trading. I hope uh, you don't mind me sharing, but uh, I had to trade an Imperial gunner for it. And that was tough because I had an Imperial gunner and I was yep. like, ah, oh, but it was, I didn't have an original stormtrooper. And I'm like, all right. So I traded the guy. I think, <laughs> I think I got original stormtrooper and I got the Wampa as well. Oh, the Wampa. Oh, Is your Wampa yeah. yellow or white still? Uh, it's a, the top shoulders is yellow. It's got a little bit of white. <laughs> Mine's the opposite. My the torso got yellow. My, oh, my arms are still white. Sure. It's weird how that happens. It looks like I pissed on it. <laughs> <laughs> is that why you open with a seed of someone? I, yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it opens with someone pissing on a dead. Yeah. Well, that's again. That's um. Well, that the head, the severed. I wanted my friend to be so. I made a movie called Smash Cut. Right. And Smash Cut starred Sasha Gray, mm -hmm. and in the movie, her sister is played by an actress, a beautiful woman I know, named Jenny Lee Murray. And I wanted Jenny Lee in the movie really badly, but she became a part of an actors' union and couldn't oh. be in this film because I was non-union. So I said, "Well, I'm going to get you in anyway." And I took her severed head that from Smash Cut. That's a prop from Smash Cut. And I, we covered it with worms, and we sprayed some apple juice on it to look like piss. <laughs> and I don't know if have you ever seen the movie Once Upon a Time in the West. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, not, not that one. Duck You Sucker. Yeah. One before. So Sergio Leone made a movie called Duck You Sucker, and it oh, opened okay. with an anthill, mm -hmm. and someone's pissing on the anthill. And in one of the shots, you can see the shadow of his cock on the rock as he finishes p pissing. <laughs> so after he pisses on the he pisses on the, 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 the severed head with ants and he throws the machete down. If you look on the tree, there's a shadow of his cock. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my little Sergio Leone tribute. <laughs> that was so hard to get, to get that shadow just right. And there was kids around too. We were filming. It's, like, oh. <laughs> it's art for art's sake. I noticed that because uh, at one point Crunch is, is riding a scooter that has a basket full of dicks yes, and, yeah. and drying a bridge. And then all of a sudden I saw, you know, a, a parent and their kids fishing. And I'm like, wait, didn't? And you cut away and you come back. And all of a sudden I noticed there's a blanket over the basket. Yeah, you're, the, you're the second person to notice that. And most people don't notice it. Yeah. But, uh, so the guy, the balloon gets popped and yeah. the father laughs. So that's the actual father of those two kids. And he's okay. the guy, he scored most of the movie. His name is John Carroll. Mm -hmm. And he said, he came to me and said, my daughter really doesn't feel comfortable with all the dicks. Right. The said, well, we'll just cover it. I mean, I don't want your daughter to get upset. So we'll do yeah. one shot where it's covered. And hopefully people will look, be looking at the pop balloon anyway. <laughs> so you're the second one to notice that. It's And it doesn't bother me at all. No, there's, I, there's a blanket on it. <laughs> no, I get I give bad props to it. I was like, okay, you know, because, uh, you know, it's indie film, but I, it completely, it brought it to a whole other level because I was just like, they thought of that. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I feel like you should be responsible for the way certain things are portrayed mm -hmm. and the way you make don't you, you can't make actor actors feel uncomfortable in front right. of the camera behind. And, you know, the way guns are portrayed in movies, you got to be mindful of all these things now because you don't want anyone to get upset during production or you know 30 years later when they see the movie <laughs> i always think that i watch these old you know you know you got a blu-ray collection behind you mm -hmm. and i watch all these old nudie cutie movies that were shot mm -hmm. in florida and i think to myself sometimes those women probably thought you know what i'm going to be in this movie and it's going to open up in a the theater play for a week and then no one's ever going to see it again <laughs> not knowing in 2023 mark and i would have it on blu-ray <laughs> Your your full front needle nudity scene for the rest of our lives. It's crazy, right? So like it's history. Every every you know the motion picture. You know, it's it's an incredible thing that we you know we can look back in time. These Blu-rays are coming out, movies that are hundred years old, mm -hmm. and it's like looking. It's the closest we'll ever get to time travel when you see things like the Central Park or or Times Square or anything in full HD a hundred years ago. It's incredible. So imagine the power, what the power of cinema is going to, the power of the moving image 2000 years from now, imagine what it's going to be like to look back now 
in a, a, drag queens in Ottawa in 4K. <laughs> 4K, heck, 4 4D. You're gonna have yourself uh, enter the drag dragon 4D. There you go. And the uh, dicks will be coming at you. <laughs> they'll be coming at you. And you'll actually be hit in the face with poison breasts. You know, and there you no. go. Of <laughs> <laughs> course, you could you could probably do that now for the right price. So uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, this film just like I said, it it surprised me because um in many levels and mainly because when you get films like this they rarely deliver what what you see everything in this in the trailer and i can tell everyone not everything's in the trailer <laughs> i try to leave the, the good parts out but you know it 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 has a trauma-esque feel to it uh you know very much it kind of like pul poultry geist in a way uh but it, it felt at least a little more refined uh, and you've got a great cast. Now, were some of the cast from the community uh, that you uh, pulled from for casting? Everyone in the movie is from Ottawa, except for Greg Sestero mm -hmm. from The Room and Lloyd Kaufman. Everyone's from Ottawa. Uh, you know, like I said, when I made Jesus Christ Vampire, you remember the Dominion Tavern? It's a bar mm -hmm. yeah. movie. So I went to that bar twice a week, mm -hmm. and I cast most of the movie out of that bar. And what that allowed me to do is see my cast once or twice a week and say, you're going to be on set on, on Friday? <laughs> or, you know, or if I'm going to shoot a scene two weeks, you better be there. Uh, and with this film, except, you know, for, for, you know, I cast most of the movie out of this bar called Shaley Xian, mm -hmm. and or from the Bytown Cinema or the Mayfair Theater. People I, was, I saw often enough where I could make sure they're on set. The one person who wasn't, I didn't see, in, you know, like that was Beatrice, who plays Jaws. So, every, you know, but Beatrice and I got together every every week to go watch a movie, mm -hmm. and so it was. It was. It's good to be. When you're making a movie like this with no budget. You're going to probably shoot it not in two weeks, in two over the course of two years. You need to be close with everyone in front of the camera to make sure they're there and, and you'll be sure. reliable. But at the same time, it was so fun to make the film. Uh, people were hanging out. You, you know, Beatrice would always be on set when, even when she wasn't shooting a scene, and that meant a lot. That right. was gas in the tank. Um, and sometimes I think I wish I was still making the movie because it was just so much fun to be on set. Uh, my last two films that I made, it wasn't fun to be on set. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, I wasn't the producer. I was directing the movie for a producer, and we. Sh my last film was shot in fourteen days, and I hated being on set because. Wow. Yeah. You weren't trying to make the best movie you can. You were trying to get through the day. Right. I only 14 hours, 14 days to make this movie. I got to get the whole movie in uh, if I'm lucky. And mm -hmm. this time we were making a movie and every day we shot, you know, parts of scenes and all day long. And we always tried to make the best movie we could. And uh, mm -hmm. that was fun. That's the way you should be. I, sh I feel like I should be creating, not, not, to get through the day not, not, yeah not to reach the finish line but to, yeah, to take yeah. the trip right to take the yes. trip yes uh well i thank you lee for taking time uh what's next for you are we going to get a dick toes movie or I'm, I'm, well uh, yeah I'm it seems like it i mean uh I've, I've got a pretty good you know beginning middle <laughs> end right now and a lot of it is revolves right now around a nudist camp <laughs> of course yeah. sure uh, why not <laughs> Yeah, it's good. It's a good. It's a good little yarn. I mm -hmm. um, and I got some really good action scenes planned for it, and I I hope I hope to get it off. Mm -hmm. You know, um, yeah, I hope to maybe start shooting uh, this time next year, and I, mm -hmm. I, yeah, I, I'm excited to try to get another one done. Well, and let me know when you have the vinyl release of the soundtrack to Enter the Drag Dragon. I was planning one. I was planning. Who are you? You can't. You can't. I was told nowhere in North America can you get vinyl printed right now. You really? have to do like Czechoslovakia. There's a place in you have to get it done in Europe, and it would take you know, they say about six months to wow. get it produced and return to you. I mean, this is what musicians in Ottawa are telling me, right? That might not be the case in Wisconsin. I would <laughs> love to get a vinyl soundtrack. I love the soundtrack for this movie, it's re it's really something. I always find my the, the soundtracks for my movies are much better than the movies themselves. <laughs> Well, and, and, for 20 and, years I felt that way. And they serve <laughs> they, they serve a purpose too. They don't they aren't just there because you want to make a musical. They actually move the plot. They they're doing things they're supposed to for a musical. So 
you know well, I, I i find when i watch you know when i made those two movies my last two movies with a producer he the producer felt you know the movie the movie is supposed to the music is supposed to be in the background not really noticed mm -hmm. and i'm like no no i don't like that i, I my favorite soundtracks are you know music I, I listen to all the time i watched end credits to find out mm -hmm. the music and listen to the the uh and the best thing about end credits you get you get um you get all the melodies again right the often comp composers will take the themes and put them together at the end mm -hmm. And I like that. So I love listening to scores. You know, Philip Glass, John Williams, oh, Sergio, yeah. you know, Annie Morricone are my heroes. And uh, I love, I, lo I love listening to the movie music in the car all the time. So when it comes to making a movie, I want the music to be front and center, right from the beginning and end. I feel like I like James Bond movies from the you know sixties, seventies, and eighties because mm -hmm. the music made me feel like I wanted to be James Bond. Right. Now that I find now the music isn't as impactful anymore, and I feel like I'm just watching a movie. Wherein, with John Barry scoring James Bond, I feel like I'm going down a ski hill, or I'm in the car, or I'm jumping off the plane. I want to be James Bond. <laughs> well, and I think that has to do with the modern filmmaking. There's been a number of articles, especially within the last year, about how you might have this great score, but there's such a wall of sound effects and special effects yeah. and the way they mix it now, it's, it's lost. You know, you don't recognize even the, the more popular scores, you don't quite hear it until you listen to the score by itself yeah. because you've got all the special effects in there yeah. and all the, all the other sounds going on And the James Bond. Yeah. I think that's the same way is that the reason that music was front and center is because you didn't, they didn't, fill you with just special effects and other wall of sound they they let that music breathe and um, yeah you know so explain to me too with marvel movies they temp score marvel movies with mm -hmm. other marvel's music so it all just sounds the same and you know you know what temp scoring is like i'll take yeah. music oh yeah put it in the movie and ask the composer to make it sound like that so you're just getting more of the same and and you know there, there's no real themes coming out and uh, it's a loss it's a loss art form i guess and uh yeah, yeah it it always surprises me that's why i love that some of these older soundtracks are getting released on vinyl and now uh the the second biggest collection besides my movies now are my vinyl soundtracks Whoa. uh i i get because uh, you get some of these, like uh, Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, and wow. you know, uh, I've got. Uh, I was wondering what that was over there. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers uh, that was released. The uh, the gate, uh, the you know, uh, um, basket case. All of these like obscure stuff is now being released. Uh, and it's great because this music was memorable. It was, you know, back then they didn't think it was marketable, so they didn't release it. Or if it was, it was like 800 copies and now it's getting to live again. And, and I, you're right. I think the art of the music, this film score is getting lost with all the other stuff they put in the film, the way they mix it. And it's very rare. You get it, that really memorable music anymore. Yeah. But yeah. I know what, my my mother took me to see the gate opening weekend. Oh, nice! <laughs> <laughs> she took me to see the wildest films. <laughs> that is that is fantastic. Yeah, uh, I remember seeing a lot of films I probably should have when I was younger, either. But uh, <laughs> but if nice. you're eighteen, if, if you're eighteen or older, or you're you know curious and the parents aren't looking, check out Enter the Drag Dragon. Uh, is it going to get a physical distribution? You, yeah, maybe. you know, people keep asking me. I'm in no rush because I'm having such a good time showing it theatrically. Sure, uh, sure. I, you know, we're, we're showing all over different cities in Canada, hoping to go to screen in London, England. I'm going to London in April and, and New York City is going to get a screening. I just want to spend as a year maybe getting it out there to festivals and and then yes we're gonna i know i'm you know like amazon prime might be interested but i'm not ready to even entertain <laughs> those offers yet i just want people to see it in the theater and then yes finally it'll find its audience i guess on a home video you know i can't see walmart releasing this movie or netflix <laughs> it might be a bit of a challenge finding it but i hope you do because i i, I you know it come, means a lot coming from you mark that you like this movie looking at your blu-ray collection in the background and your vinyl collection you obviously have good taste in movies and uh that's <laughs> You know, it, this movie was made for people like you, collectors. Oh, well, well, <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, uh, I appreciate that quite a bit. And uh, 
where can they keep up with uh like screenings and and where they're at you've got i used to i used to have a website but Uh you know who has a website anymore facebook we're on facebook we're on instagram okay my twitter my twitter handle is kind of blown (laughs) i'm (laughs) at facebook but no, no one's on facebook and instagram Sure. That's the best way I can try to okay. get my name out there right now. I'm on IMDb, but you know it's hard to list the. I just hope to God, you know, people. I, I hope hope that your listeners find it somehow, one way or another. <laughs> I'm trying my best to get it out there. Uh, keep your eyeballs peeled uh, for my dick toes <laughs> in a cinema. I'm you. looking. I'm looking forward to that for sure. So there you have it, folks. Thank you, Lee, so much, and and seek this out, folks, wherever you can. Uh, legitimately. Okay, no piracy out there. Come on, you d- support indie films and yeah, uh, pirate so- Disney. Don't pirate me. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> Disney doesn't care. Sure, and so <laughs> Lee, I hope we have you back when we get to see uh, Dick Toes versus Cuntfoot. So oh, that's gonna be a strong picture. I hope you see. <laughs> You're going to really like that one. Uh, I can't wait. (laughs) 